0: Sustainability Dialogues by SAN. Hello and welcome to SAN's new podcast, Sustainability Dialogues. The podcast brings interviews with leaders, positive voices, and people who are working to advance sustainability in agriculture. The dialogues aim to share knowledge and exchange lessons with experts on different topics and in different geographies. My name is André De Freitas, and with us today is Jan vonenden who is the general manager for the Hans R. Neumann Stiftung in North America and has many years of experience in the coffee sector, both on business and sustainability. The Hans R. Neumann Stiftung, or Neumann Foundation, was created in 2005 by the Neumann family to empower smallholder coffee farmers and strengthen their ability to independently achieve better livelihoods. To this date, they have worked with more than 200,000 farmers in 18 countries. Thank you for being here today, Jan.
1: Well, thanks, André, for, for having me. And I'm, I'm really impressed by your pronunciation of Stiftung. That's normally pretty difficult for, for everybody.
0: It's uh, uh, my many years of living in Germany. Uh, uh, and I, I, Yeah, I, I get some words right. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, uh, yeah, and talking about coffee sustainability, one of the things I want to ask you is, what are the key sustainability challenges, the most urgent issues to address that, that you see in the coffee sector? And do these vary according to different regions? Well,
1: that's a that's a really good question, and and unfortunately, just to start with, not a not a very easy one, because as you know, in, in sustainability, things are just so interconnected, and um, it's it's really hard to pinpoint uh, on on specific things. So, but still, I would I would say um, from from the work we've been doing, we've been seeing that um, climate change and uh, um, climate change is definitely one of the of the key issues, and changing. Uh, and and the change of uh, um, inter um the inter oh, sorry the um the changes of younger population leaving the uh, the coffee areas so the aging population in coffee is is a big challenge so we really need to we need to work on these two things intensively um climate change actually might be a bit a bit of a too big word um um climate change is playing out probably over the next 20 30 years what farmers are struggling with at the moment is particular weather variability. So, we have extreme droughts, uh, very strong rainfalls, uh, not at the times where farmers are used to have them. So, it makes planning and, uh, uh, and yeah, cultivation of coffee just, just very, very difficult. And in regards to aging coffee population, I think it's a pretty normal thing that um, in developing countries that uh, over time, uh, the the urban cities are developing and that rural farmers are, are migrating more and more to the cities the job offers are, are increasing there um the thing is just that we really have to think about how we want to see coffee um growing in the future at the moment as you know coffee is mostly grown by smallholder farmers around two hectares uh or two to three hectares per per family and um if you really want to be profitable on a um uh, on, on a small coffee farm like that uh, you cannot only just re- depend on on coffee income so we really have to think about how do we see future of coffee as uh, yeah and coffee really as part of a of a larger uh, income strategy and um this is this is really something we 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 have to think about because um romanticizing smallholder coffee is uh, is a nice thing but in the end we we in Guatemala, for example, we calculated once you probably need around seven hectares of coffee to feed a whole family just mm-hmm. uh, just 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 for coffee, and that that's that's just not not the reality. Um, and if you ask me about different regions, so where the challenges uh, in the different regions, I think that's um, really very very varying. If you look, for example, at, at Vietnam, you've got very highly profitable farmers. Um, and super efficient supply chains, but um, water availability, for example, is a big issue. So, as you know, there's a lot of uh, irrigation of um, of robusta coffee, and um, groundwater tables are, are being depleted by by uh, by coffee cultivation. So that's a big, big, big issue. Whereas in other countries, like um, on other continents, like in Africa, it's just the pure land size uh, um, is is a big issue. Low productivity. Um, and and really the, the lack of a supply chain efficiency. So, if we're talking about specific sustainability intervention, it's um, you really have to tailor made them according to the problems and
0: order to the um, to the specific uh, regions. Great, great. So you have to contextualize them. Now, now, sustainability it's it's a very dynamic field. How how has sustainability in the coffee sector changed over the last five ten years? What, what's been driving these changes?
1: yeah well um let me let me go a little bit further back to 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 my starting in in, in coffee sustainability my first assignment was in in peru uh, in the 1990s on an organic coffee project so certified organic coffee at that time it was really a niche product it was for european and uh, us let's say tree huggers and idealists so it was a it was a very very specific and very small market um over time, probably uh, yeah, in the last five to ten years, certification has been really taking off um, it has been driving uh, um yeah it has been driving the sustainability uh,
0: um, this interest
1: in sustainability, so uh, I think um they certifications really played a key role to raise awareness for for the issues in coffee producing countries which is which is very important um what I see now today is basically that uh, certification have been becoming very very big. Um, we calculate at the moment that probably around 50% of global production is uh, is verified or certified. Um, the the thing is that um, certified or verified um, production is is greatly uh, is, is much bigger than the actually uh, than the actually demand. So um from the from the view of a of a coffee farmer it's a big investment to get certified or verified but he's never really sure if he can uh, if he can sell the the coffee to the market so that's a that's a that's a really big issue and um the other big thing in, in sustainability certification and verification is also that if you if you if you compare um standards over time let's say um, standards of today comparing to standards to the same standards ten years ago you see that due to the Really, increasing demand of of sustainable coffee. Many of these standards have been eroding and have been yeah becoming weaker and weaker, which is also um, for me quite a quite a big concern. Um, So yeah, it's it's again. I mean, it's been it's been a a big increase in demand um, driven by the consumers, which is great. I think at the moment we are just at a at a real turning point. Where is sustainability going in the future? Is it only going to be certification? We're also seeing a lot of direct, of the specialty sector, which is also um, yeah driving quite a lot of um, interest now. So it's yeah it's it's really we are at a bit of a turning point at the moment.
0: So so now, where do you see us us in five years or or ten years time? Where where do you see sustainability being in this uh, in, in the future? Is the direct um, going to be a, big, a much bigger part, or What, what is how the sustainability? If we have this conversation ten years from now, what will we will be talking about?
1: Well, I th- I think consumers are well. I think and I hope that consumers are increasingly demanding more specific information about about impact. So, I expect the sustainability initiatives are, will be going beyond supply chains. So, uh, I think the the way you can now collect and assess sustainability data uh, will be much more on a regional or even national level so that you, for example, look at a coffee country, at a coffee producing country, let's say Guatemala, uh, uh, you will assess the, the state of sustainability of an entire country of specific regions and then, um, yeah, consumers are informed about issues in a certain countries and can then also hold companies responsible towards doing something about sustainability issues on a on a more um yeah country or regional level so i i i would hope and i expect that um sustainability will be more and more detached from um, actual supply chains and, and and looking more into regions and be much more data driven so i think big data uh, will play an an important role in the future uh, to yeah to also um meet the demands of uh, of consumers who are increasingly uh, demanding of uh, um, yeah more specific impact-driven data.
0: Great, great. And do you see, uh, what is the future in that, in that future that you align? How do you see company-owned sustainability initiatives? So if you're thinking that is more detached from supply chains, how, how do you see companies that are establishing their own sustainability programs?
1: Yeah, well at the moment I, I see um, it's it's really quite interesting if you kind of group and look at different companies in a different way. Um, we have, with the, with the Neumann Foundation, we are working quite a lot with um, private, uh, privately held companies, uh, so family-owned companies in, in Europe. It's very interesting that they have kind of a, uh, a two-tire approach to sustainability. So they, they definitely go for certification because they, they need to have a certain degree of compliance within the uh, supply chain, but they also go further beyond because they are very much thinking about giving back to communities, doing the right thing. And also at the same time, um, growing future supply chains. So they're basically going into regions and into, um, into coffee communities which are not yet connected to the market, but uh, um, and need longer term investments and, and much deeper work than existing supply chains and building up um, yeah, supply chains of the future. We've got this group of international coffee partners, they're called, uh, a group of European roasters. Um, which we've been working together all, all over 15 years already and they're very committed to Yeah, to going much much deeper um, Into the communities than just the supply chain. So um so this is I guess the kind of the, the, the side of the family-owned companies Which we are very much uh, working with and on the other hand. I see that the corporations they're very much compliance driven um, and much more uh, yeah, short-term driven as well. I think uh, it is also due to their due to their nature. I mean, they're um, they're they're public companies. They are publicly traded. Uh, they are much under um, yeah under public pressure, and they have to see that um, most importantly uh, that the supply chains are are clean and um, that there are no any problems. So uh, I see that there's much more the supply chain driven approach, um, whereas again with the family-owned companies. It's, it's both it's supply chain driven plus uh, let's say um, doing the right thing and working deeper in the communities
0: mm-hmm. oh, thank you fantastic and and in in your experience what type of interventions are the most effective at advancing sustainability in coffee
1: um, I'm a little bit biased there because I've been uh, I've been working most of my career really deep in the uh, in the field so I I am a very yeah i'm a very hands on guy i see that um yeah training of farmers on on productivity and in particular on on establishing structures farm uh, um, organizations associations cooperatives and link farmers to the market i think this is the really the, the most important um work we we have to do um you always have to remember and, and not many people know that and remember that that most of the of the coffee farmers they are Pretty disconnected from the market. They are not organized in any structure. They're working on their own in their community. They don't have really good access to information. They don't have good inf- inform- access to to um, financing, to to agri inputs. So, in order to support these farmers uh, um, to to grow more coffee, to be more profitable, they really need to be organized. And um, it is a long-term it's, it's a long-term process. So you need at least three to four years to have a good working uh, um, farm organization which then can provide services to farmers on the one hand and also bring uh, a coffee to the to the market so farm organizational development uh, um, association development coupled with uh, um, yeah important services is something which i think is 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 very important i know that many people will say yeah but this is not scalable but i always ask myself what is really scalable and where can we, where have we ever seen very sc- scaled coffee interventions? Um, I, I don't see that. So I'm always um, owning, I would rather work with fewer farmers in a very intense, intensive, very impactful uh, way rather than working with many, many farmers and only have have a light touch. So it's 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 my belief that building impactful models uh, communicating them then to the uh, to the governments or to the to the coffee sector to be able to replicate them uh this is this is yeah the, the way i would always approach sustainability and um yeah i think this is a is, is a good way forward but again i mean the the, the criticism we uh, we we then always get or, or potentially get is that yeah is that really scalable but my question always is then what is really scalable and how we want to scale especially in a sector which is so um, fragmented uh, uh, looking at farmers working in communities on their own uh, and not very much connected to markets
0: and if you look at the current price of coffee and the comment that you made about younger generations of farmers not wanting to be coffee farmers anymore do you expect that there was going to be a consolidation of, of farms and coffee so the farmers will start f- selling off their farms to other farmers and you get sli- uh, increasingly will get larger farmers coffee farms is that something you expect will happen
1: um, I think that has to happen, and uh, i'm I'm also seeing that with the um with the people and the the technicals we are working with in uh, Central America, for example, it's very interesting to see that these guys they are all coffee farmers uh, guys and girls uh, and uh, they they are but and and they are buying more and more land and why is that because they are not depending on the cash flow of coffee, so they have a stable income uh, from a from a job which is not connected to their coffee farm. And then year after year they can invest into their farm. They are highly productive, they're buying more land. So I think this is a is a good showcase. Again, I mean I'm speaking here mostly for for, for Central America, um, where, where I've seen that. Um this is a, a good model where you can say um that consolidation is, is taking place. But it's a long it's a long term process. And I think for other uh, um for other coffee farming sort of in the in the midterm I think you just have to really look at income diversification for for the smaller for the smaller farms Um, and and again the more you depend on the coffee cash flow coffee farm cash flow the harder it will be to 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 make the transition so this is why we are also pushing for um, youth programs where we where we looking at um, rural employment possibilities at entrepreneurship training uh, so that um, that we that that farmers in the future are not so much depending on um, uh, on the coffee cash flow,
0: and it's not necessarily crop diversification; it's income diversification, right? Exactly. Yeah. Great. And and then you have been in the sector for a long time. Uh, if you look back at your experience in the sector this whole time, uh, are there any moments or key insights that you have had in these in these years, and you say, well, this was this was a great aha moment that, that this light bulb uh, lit up in my mind, can you recall some of those
1: yeah it's more it's more a process than 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 a really specific moment, so I remember very vividly when when the two thousand four uh, when Oxfam started their big uh, poverty in your cup campaign um when the prices are really were really really low at 50, 60 cents uh, on New york sea so that was a time when um for the first time. Industry and NGOs came together working jointly on solving a big, big problem. And and that was a a very, very interesting moment because it was kind of these cliché coffee traders in uh, shirts and tie meeting up with NGOs with uh, um, T-shirts and sandals. So it was just a a very, very interesting group of people. And you can imagine how the dynamic was in the workshops uh, at first. But over time, it was really interesting to see how this group grew together. There was at that time the uh, the common code for the coffee community, which later on uh, was transferred into 4C and, and today then uh, is being uh, the global coffee platform. Um, so it was very interesting how this trust building and uh, uh, sort of moment uh, came along. And what I also remember, there were very, very good, productive, but also intense discussions about uh, between private sector and NGOs. And, I really thought that was a very very productive process and this is a little bit what I'm missing today um, I feel that many NGOs and including us um, are financed in the sustainability um, work very much through private sector um, but what I don't see enough um, at the moment is that uh, there's really a vivid and controversial discussion between NGOs and, and the private sector anymore I think it is good that NGOs and private sector work together very closely to solve a, a joint problem but again what I miss a little bit at the moment is the more controversial discussion and what I also what I'm a bit scared of is that um, we kind of lose the the focus of, of the farmer you know I mean the, the, the this is this is really what we are what we are working for in the sustainability sector the to increase farmer uh, viability farmer profitability um, and really looking over the past Fifteen years, um, I, I'm not sure if we really achieved so much on a large scale. Probably here and there on smaller pockets, we had we had good uh, good successes. But um, um, yeah, we really have to question ourselves: Are we really still on the on the same track? Uh, are we really um, yeah also questioning our sustainability um, approaches sufficiently? Do we we talk uh, enough about failures as well Um, uh, this is always something which surprises me a lot in the sustainability sector that hardly anybody talks about uh, about failures and i think it's very important uh, to talk about failures if you if you look at um, the startup scene if you haven't uh, um, kind of had several bankruptcies with your startups you're not a successful entrepreneur but in, in sustainability we don't talk enough about that so um, yeah, I think there's there's still a lot of um, yeah need for reflection of if if we are if we are going into the right direction.
0: Okay, great. Well, I, th- I think it's a great point to uh, to end this. So thank you very much, Jan. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for sharing your insights with us. And please look do look out for more podcasts from Sam Sustainability Dialogues. You can find us at www.sustainableagriculture.eco. Thank you very much. Thanks, Henry. Thanks a lot. Sustainability Dialogues by San.